Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Drop. Greg Wyshynski, Ardo Cal, twice weekly on Tuesdays and Thursdays, wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play, as well as the ESPN NHL YouTube channel. And Greg Wyshynski, I couldn't think of a better place to start than the new old new hotbed of hockey at the start of the season. Detroit Rock City, baby. What a start for the Red Wings. Hockey Town is back in effect. You know, I often find it cliche to say that certain teams make the NHL better when they're good. You hear that all the time. Like, we need the Rangers to be strong. We need Montreal to be strong. You'd have a better league. And I don't like doing that because I think it's unfair to the newer teams that have come in in the last 25 years. That being said, I don't know if it's my age. I don't know if it's one of the best uniforms in all of sports. To see a successful Detroit team, to see a relevant Detroit team, to see a Detroit team that we all of a sudden care about again as a potential contender, it kind of made me feel better about the NHL Arda. Absolutely. I, I love when uh, the Detroit, especially a hockey market or uh, sorry, a city that really gets behind the team. I feel the same way about many of the teams you mentioned, like the Sabres, the Bu Buffalo faithful. When that team is good and rocking, that's a great hockey town to watch games. Detroit, no different. Here's the thing. Alex to on fire. Eight goals in five games. He could be a 50 goal scorer this season. Hold that thought for a little bit later in the show. But here's my question to you. For all that we've seen, the Iser plan, perhaps ahead of schedule, maybe on plan, whatever the case may be, do you believe that this success from the Red Wings is sustainable? Oh, that's a complicated question. You mentioned to bring it. I mean, the one thing that we can say right now is that they've got a line that is clicking like few are in the National Hockey League. Him and Dylan Larkin, along with Lucas Raymond. Larkin and Dabrinkit didn't get off to the best start this season, but they clearly have chemistry. Larkin was joking the other day about the idea that those two played in summer league together for a few years. They had amazing success. Obviously, that's going to translate to the NHL. He was joking, but maybe it does. Who knows? Because I don't think that Dylan Larkin has had a line mate like to bring it before, uh, a goal scorer of his magnitude, a guy that can find space on his own and make things happen. Um, I don't think he's had that. And I also think DeBrinket hasn't had a guy like Larkin in a long time, you know, an in his prime young player reminds you when he was back in Chicago playing with Patrick Kane, for example. So having those two on the same line, I think is, is, is great because sometimes in this league, Arda, you just need one line to really click and carry you. But let's talk about what's really going on under the hood here for a second. Mm, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and five on five Great motor city reference, by the way, great you, motor city you, reference. And, and, and again, to bring it and, and Dylan Larkin high octane gasoline, baby. Um, so five on five, they're the best in the league right now. They're the ranked number one overall in five on five efficiency. Okay. But when you look at their expected goals, five on five. Okay. They rank 20 seconds, so they are clearly outkicking their coverage there. The Larkin line is averaging 5.3 goals per 60 minutes right now as a unit, but 3.4 expected goals. So they're kind of outkicking their coverage a little bit too. 
Um, their power play is obviously not going to be rolling at 39% all season. We know that these things are cyclical. Doesn't mean it can't be super effective. They've got an incredible talent there, but obviously the power play has been a huge reason they've gotten off the start. Although they had an amazing five on five game over the weekend. Um, I'm not sure that this team is always going to be able to outscore their problems this season, Arda, but I will say this. We have had teams in recent years like the New Jersey Devils and Seattle Kraken last year that got off the blocks, were offensively dominant, and then stayed that way and were able to paper over some deficiencies in their lineup and some problems systemically in in their process by simply outscoring their opponents. And maybe Detroit's that team this year. Maybe this won't be an aberration. Maybe we are looking at the Iser plan coming to fruition. But if it does come to fruition, Arda, what's going to happen to this team? You know, if they are pushing for a wild card spot, are they going to be all in? Are they going to be the team that all of a sudden says the rebuild is over and we are ready to contend? Well, this is what Steve Eiserman had to say about that scenario before the season started. Well, I think every team would love to make the playoffs, Dad. Like, uh, again, um, you know, we'd be we'd be thrilled to make the playoffs. Is it playoffs or bust? Uh, when you say playoffs or bust, I guess you're you're prepared to trade all your draft picks and whatever you have to do at some point. So, no, it's not playoffs or bust. But we're gonna we're gonna try to win every game and we're gonna try to make the playoffs. Um, but it's to me, it's not at the expense of of the future. Uh, going to continue to repeat like i'm trying to build a nucleus of a team that can make the playoffs on an annual basis like uh, you know we you squeak in one year and you don't have the foundation to to, uh, sustain it you know we're going to be sitting here a year from now or two years from now and you're gonna you know like uh, gonna be you know wondering again so i would love to make the playoffs the whole city would uh every one of our players everybody in our organization would love to and and, you know, we'll give it a shot. And so you hear that the Iser plan remains the Iser plan. If they're in contention, hey, maybe they add a piece or that here or there like they have in the summer as far as veteran players go. But he's not going to mortgage the future for the present. It is still a long-term plan for the Detroit Red Wings. But so far, man, through six games, plan looks like it's working. You have to respect... Steve Eiserman and the Iser plan. And just like the 76ers, hopefully with different results for the city of Detroit, they shall trust the process. Are they trusting the process, Wish, in the city of Edmonton, where the Oilers have gone on to a less than desirable start to begin the campaign? And now Connor McDavid will be out for one to two weeks. And listen, in the people that I've spoken to in the city of Edmonton, there is a sense of panic. I'm not saying it's five alarm just yet, but it does range. Some people are mild. Others are already sounding the uh, bells. So where should we be in terms of looking at this Oilers team and the way they started the season? Well, Arda, for some of us that picked the Edmonton Oilers to win the Stanley Cup this season, (laughs) uh, I don't think panic quite does it justice. I am talking dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria right now about the Edmonton (laughs) Oilers. A 1-3-1 start. McDavid's hurt. 
They're they're looking like they're going through the motions at times. They're making horrible mistakes against teams like the Philadelphia Flyers. McDavid had a turnover against the Flyers that led to a shorthanded goal by a guy named Sean Walker. Okay, like I don't know what is happening (laughs) with Edmonton right now, but it is all falling apart very early. Listen to these stats, okay? They they are 26th and 5-on-5 right now. But the good news is, is they're eighth and expected five on five. That tells you they're doing some good things, but not getting any results. That can be a something you can you can hold on to, like when McDavid gets healthy. Here's what you can't hold on to: the puck. If you're an Edmonton goaltender, <laughs> they're 31st in the league right now in goaltending. They have an 867 team save percentage. Every time. You think either Stuart Skinner or Jack Campbell is going to solidify the crease. It all comes tumbling down. You've got a Vander Kane doing a, between inter, a periods interviews uh, in, in Canada talking about his the lack of ice time he's getting in the first period and saying, I might as well have a fight because I'm not going to play anyway. Arda, the vibes are bad. The vibes are very bad at Edmonton right now. Yeah, I I tried to temper them in my setup to this, but you're right. The vibes are very bad. And that leads to the question, uh, what will happen if the vibes continue like this? What will happen in terms of uh, do we see a shakeup in the roster? Do we see a shakeup in coaching? Uh, More specifically, obviously, when something like this happens and, and, and let's be clear, like the weight of the world is on the shoulders of the Edmonton Oilers. Like it is cup or bust for that team, especially with uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle, the season starting. And I wonder, I mean, like with Jay Woodcroft, um, not that it's a fair question to ask, but like if this continues, is that where people are going to look wish and say, maybe we need to make a coaching change? Yeah, completely. I mean, the the stakes are too high. Like we said at the beginning of the season, the reason why a lot of us picked Edmonton to win the cup is because it's obvious that McDavid and Dreisaitl are are disgusted by a lack of success in the playoffs. Well, you know, maybe the remedy for that disgust is not making the playoffs because that's on the table right now for this team, the way it's playing. The stakes are too high. Jay Woodcroft's going to be on the hottest of hot seats. The issue for me, though, in making a coaching change, Arda, is always what is the solution? What is the next step? Who do you bring in that's going to be the improvement on Jay Woodcroft? And I don't quite know the answer because you need someone that's going to be able to manage the star power, manage the egos on this roster, but also get their attention enough to get this team playing a playoff quality of hockey, especially on the defensive side in front of that goaltending. So I don't have the answer as to who could replace them. I just know if things continue to spiral for this team over the next, you know, three weeks as we head towards that critical moment of American Thanksgiving where you best be in a playoff spot. Uh, I think Jay Woodcroft is, is, is status is tenuous at this point. My concern with choosing a new coach, if let's just imagine the scenario. Okay. We don't wish people losing their jobs. Let's just imagine the Oilers were looking for a new coach. The situation that they are in, and this conversation always happens, Wish. Oh, let's give new coaches a try. Jay Woodcroft himself was a new coach joining, a new head coach in the NHL, pardon me, joining the Edmonton Oilers, right? I feel like that situation is ripe for a long-tenured, let's recycle the same names kind of coach, specifically one that has playoff success that isn't in the NHL right now. To me, that's the first place that might be looked at. 
And we're going to have that conversation all over again. Look, you know the first place that's going to be looked at. It's going to be to go to the National Hockey League and see if Joel Quenville has done his, his penance. Like, that's the first thing they're going to do. That's the first thing I would do if I was Ken due Holland diligence. And, and, and my job was on the line. It's the first thing, you know, maybe the first thing that the organization wants to do. I'm not saying it's the right thing. I'm not saying it's the moral thing to do because it certainly might not be. But I'm saying that that's probably the first call they make, knowing that he's been on a multi-year path to redemption and to see if the mm -hmm. NHL has decided to give the blessing for him to return behind the bench. Well, we'll see what happens with the Oilers. Uh, I have a theory Speaking of Connor McDavid, even though he will be out for a short period of time, mm. I have a theory that in part has to do with Connor McDavid. Last year, he had 60 plus goals, incredible yep. season. He shot more. I look at the NHL and I look at scoring wish, and I believe this season is a perfect season to break the record for most 50 goal scorers in a single campaign. Wow. Why am I saying this? Two reasons. Number one, scoring is up. We know this. Uh, scoring right now is at a high clip, highest we've ever seen since 1994. 3.13 goals or 3.18 goals a season on average. And we haven't seen those numbers since the 90s. The record currently for most 50-goal scores in a season was that unicorn 92-93 season. There were 14 different 50-goal scorers. I believe when you look at the list of players that either were 50-goal scorers or in the vicinity within 10 goals, you could make the case that we will absolutely see 15 50-goal scores. Let me present you a list. Okay, Please. let me quickly go through this list. Connor McDavid had 64 last season. Even if he takes a little bit of time off, he shoots even remotely close to what he shot last year, he's going to be in the 50-goal category. Leon Dreisaitl, very similar. He cracked 50, he'll get there. That's two. David Pasternak, he had 61. I'm putting him on my list. Three. Miko Rantanen, he can definitely repeat. A wild card, Nathan McKinnon, for the purposes of my... Uh, conversation here. I put him in the maybe pile, but I'm going to present you some names as I go along the way, Wish, and you can parse this when I'm done here, but he's in that pile where if he did get 50, you wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, McKinnon got 50? So that's why I'm putting him in the maybe pile. We'll put it at five for now. Tage Thompson at 47, bump up three extra goals. We're at six. Oh, okay. Jack, Jack Hughes... <laughs> Had 43 yeah. last year. I think he's going to get 50 goals and 100 points for the New Jersey Devils. He's my sure. sneaky heart trophy pick. That's seven. Jason yep. Robertson had 46 last season. I could put Robo down for four more goals. Kirill Kaprizov had 40, but only played 67 games last season. He's got that chemistry with Matt Zuccarello on lock. That is one of the best one-two punches in the league. Could he get to 50? Could you imagine it? You absolutely, absolutely. could. Absolutely. Aust Austin Matthews only had 40 last season. That's a slow year for him. He could get to 60 again. He's already had six goals. He's got two back-to-back hat-tricks to start the year. Put him down for 50. William Nylander is playing on a contract year. Oh, he's, wow. He's a two-time 40-goal scorer. Could he not? Could you not imagine a world where William Nylander gets 50 goals in a season? Well, I don't think the Toronto media can imagine that world, but but we can here. I can imagine it, so I'm putting him down as a maybe. And listen, this is you, you you'll see where I'm going when I get to 15. Alex Debrinkit 
could score 50 and 50. We just talked about him. Eight <laughs> yeah. goals in five games. Is it sustainable? Whatever. For the purposes of my argument here, he could very well be a 50-goal scorer. Sure. I haven't yeah. even talked about Alex Ovechkin. Slow start. Maybe he's the one that drops off on this list. Maybe he's a 30-goal guy, a 40-goal guy, whatever the case may be. But I would never count him out for being a possible 50-goal guy, especially what he's done in his mid to late 30s in the NHL. So that's why he always will get consideration for me. How about this name? Cole Caulfield, 26 oh. goals in 46 games last season. He could absolutely rip 50 on a healthy year. And then that's 14 names. I didn't even talk about guys like Braden Point. Kucherov, Stamkos, Mark Shifley, Carter Verhage, Adrian Kempe, Jared McCann, Timo Mile, Tim Stutzler, Mika Zibanejad, Matthew Kachuk, Elias Pettersson, or Andre Kuzmenko. All those guys sniffed around the 40 mark last season. And I didn't even talk about the rookies. Not that it would be easy for a rookie to get 50 in a season. Only four have done it. But if there's one guy that could, could be Connor Bedard. So that's my case for us seeing 15 possible 50 goal scorers this season in the NHL. I think I think I like the field more than I like Nylander and Caulfield on that list, although I think you should probably subtract Timo Meyer from that field. The Ovechkin one's interesting, though, dude, because now we're starting to see games where Ovi's not getting a shot on goal, which is the most uncharacteristic thing like set aside, like not scoring goals, like not getting a shot on goal in like, I think it was consecutive games um, is like unheard of in, in his career. So I'm a little bit concerned there, but look, man, I, I don't think your list is all that off as far as the guys that could potentially do it. My concern right now is that despite offense having climbed year over year, over year, over year, it's a little bit down. A little bit down off of last year, 3.18 last year, 3.15 through 81 games this year. Now, a lot of that has to do with power play proficiency. And right now, the kills are ahead of the uh, power play uh, this season versus in previous seasons. Um, it's still quite high, though. It's over 20%. I think we'll see us around 3.18 goals again, maybe. I hope. I don't want to see offensive regression. But I do think that we have to just keep our eye on the tide turning. Have we did we reach the high watermark of offense in this league last season? And then we're going to see a slight turn back to the more defensive side. If so, it's definitely going to hurt your 50 goal theory. But that being said, it's very early and we could certainly see offensive offenses continue to explode in this league. I'm going to keep the optimism wish and I'm going to call this back throughout the season. And uh, I will just assume that we will get there. All right. 15, 50 goal scorers. It's out there in the universe. And now it's up to the NHL players to make it happen. You know what is happening, Wish, is every single NHL team will be oh. playing on Tuesday. Only one other time in NHL history had all 32 teams stepped on the ice on the same night, but never 15 minutes apart every 15 minutes the puck will drop on a different game a very unique situation very exciting for fans of hockey and fans of the nhl and at the center of it all in studio to cover everything post to post shot for shot will be john butchergrass who joins us now on the drop all right hockey fans hockey heaven 
is upon us. On Tuesday, every single team in the National Hockey League, all 32, will be playing on the ice. Puck drop staggered every 15 minutes. And the pièce de résistance at ESPN will be the Frozen Frenzy, a whip-around show where you won't miss any puck drop, any hit, any goal, any penalty shot, any fight, any empty net. No matter what it is, you will see it on Frozen Frenzy. And that will be spearheaded, that will be steered, that will be anchored by the one and only John Buchagross, who joins us on the drop right now. Uh, Bucci, you've had a lot of great moments in your career at ESPN, <laughs> but this has got to be at the top, of the, one of the top of the lists, my, my friend. Yeah, it's unique. People are excited about it. Hope we can pull it off. Um, you know, there were there were 15 games on Saturday, so it was a good kind of warm up. I was on my couch all day. Now they they weren't staggered like they're staggered for us, so uh, it was a little different. But it was a it was a good warm up just to kind of sit there all day long, and plus just good for homework to start to get the narrative of these teams, this, the early storylines each team has, the temperature, how they feel, how they're going. So it was a good primer a bit. This time I'll just be in a suit on television with makeup on with Kevin Weeks. Other than that, it'll be the exact same thing as Saturday was. <laughs> And by the way, don't ever say that your friends at ESPN haven't given you nothing, man. You guys have been asking for staggered start times on games since I first glimpsed hockey on television on Sports Channel in the 1980s. And now yep. finally, there's a night where every like 15 minutes there's a new game. So that's pretty dope. Bucci, you're a man that wears many hats. Uh, you're wearing one now. And, uh, you know, you've been a play-by-play guy. You've been a sports center anchor. You've done intermission shows. You've done The Point. How does preparation for something like this compare to preparation for all those other gigs? Well, the only way to prepare for this is to watch hockey just about every night for the past 10 years. That's it, <laughs> you know, which which I don't. I, I, I've done it for the last 20 years. So, you know, I don't watch TV shows. People would talk about, hey, do you see The Wire last night? Do you see Sopranos last night? It's like, no, I was watching Canucks Ducks at 10 o'clock on Sunday night. <laughs> you know, I want to see Marcus Nazel and Todd Bertuzzi back in the day. So, yeah, it's just it's walking, watching all those games, knowing the numbers, know which way a guy shoots, where they went to school, where they might have been drafted, um, you know, things like that, that you have a pretty good base of knowledge. And obviously you can quickly to go to find out the exact or to check on yourself to make sure. But, yeah, it's really just living and loving the game for a long period of time. I think that's the only way you can really prepare for it. You're not going to prepare for it really in a week. So we have good stat people, we have good producers, and they certainly can support you. But for the most part, it's living and loving the game. And that's what me and Weeksy do. Me and Kevin Weeks are both hockey nerds. Uh, we love everything about it. And so uh, we're probably the right two guys for the jump. Now, listen, in my defense, if I didn't watch The Sopranos, that's grounds for revocation of my citizenship in New Jersey. So, I like, I, I had Understood. to watch it. I'm there Understood. on Ducks Canucks yeah. with you if I didn't that's... have to watch it. <laughs> and I've watched why... it since. But, you know, back then you had to watch a show live. Right. You know, there wasn't, yeah. it wasn't really on demand yet. So now we can watch all these things at your, when there aren't hockey games. So, I can, so I, that's what's good. I have a large inventory of TV to catch up on. Where some people are like, <laughs> I need, I've watched everything. I, I've watched nothing. So I have so much cool stuff to catch up. Like my, my pandemic show was The Office. I'd never watched The yeah. Office. So that really? Was, that was, yeah. So again, I'm watching hockey. So, uh, yeah. so, so, uh, so yeah, so that was my big show during, uh, and I caught, I went through the whole thing and it was really, 
it was interesting. It was fun. And it was, uh, yeah, it was that, that was my, that was my TV thing. So I got, but I have a lot more shows of those to watch. Retirement's going to be great for me. Lots of movies, lots of TV shows. <laughs> and lots of golf, right? Absolutely. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's, that's letter Kenny for me. I have to watch it to maintain yep. my Canadianism. Um, pull the cur <laughs> Bucci, pull the curtain a little bit. Will there be commercial breaks during frozen frenzy or are you going to have to hold it in for six and a half hours? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have a diaper. I have, I purchased a diaper just in case, but yeah, there are, there are only, there's very, I think there's three two minute breaks in an hour. So it's really, it is not quite commercial free. We do have to pay the electric uh, electricity ability SBN. It's a big one. There's a lot of lights there, uh, but yeah, not very many. So it is very limited. Um, like I said, I believe it's only three two-minute breaks, um, which is uh, great. And so, so yeah, so we need to be prepared. I need to be careful about the the, uh, the liquid intake. I will try to manage that, <laughs> but uh, we we will have time for. I think I think the bathroom is about a hundred about a hundred feet away, so we'll be good. We'll, we'll we'll be able to pull it off. The real MVP: empty bottles uh, on set yeah. at uh, yeah. the frozen frenzy. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. Well, we've we've we're figured out this TV thing. It's going to be amazing. It's an unprecedented night, and I know everybody's going to be strapped in watching it. But let's talk about the product on the ice for a moment. Uh, earlier in the show, we were talking about the Detroit Red Wings, who I know mm. are an apple of your eye. Uh, are you a believer in the Wings? Do you uh, out of out of Detroit, Ottawa, Buffalo, that troika of teams in the Atlantic that we all assumed one of them would break out mm. this year? Are you now assuming it's going to be the Red Wings that break out? Yeah, I am. Yeah, before the season, someone asked me, I think on Twitter, are they going to make the playoffs? I was like, I don't think so. I go, they got a lot of stuff. Like they, they let these last two, three off seasons, they just went out and got a lot of stuff. I don't, I don't know if they thought about how it worked together. Hey, give me an Andrew Kopp. Give me a JT Comfer. Uh, David Perron, <laughs> throw him in there. Just just like a bunch of stuff. But um, but in the end, you know, it looks like it it's kind of working. Um, again, we've seen teams get off to good starts. Buffalo, you know, back in the day, and then boom, things can happen. A couple injuries, a bad goalie. You've lost nine of ten, and then here we are again. So you don't you know you don't know. But I knew yeah, you know, I figured. Debrink it would have a big year, forty goal year. That's a good team for him to play on, and he's a, just a great player. He's just he's really he's in the prime of his life. So, but yeah, looking at them and how they're dominating five on five, and how they are a very mature, grown up team, even young mature like those Larkin players are like young mature. They're now they have all these games under their belt, but they're still twenty six, twenty seven years old, so they're still young and will probably stay healthy and have good energy for most, much of the year and play back-to-backs well and all that stuff that you don't get in the playoffs. Um, so you can be older in the playoffs because you don't play back-to-back, -back, stuff like that. But I, I do think that they sure look like a team building this base of points can then steer. And they're, they're going to add, whether it's Patrick Kane or whether it's another, another D-man or even a goalie. Steve, once, once Steve Eisman can smell the playoffs, and I think they were getting tired of not making them. That's one reason why they stepped on the gas these last two years or went to the garage sale and just give me that one of those and one of those and one of those. We'll see if it matches when we get back to the house. Um, I think, you know, that that was their idea. And now it looks like it's it might work. Bucci, my Stanley Cup final prediction, many people's Stanley Cup final prediction was Leafs and Oilers. Uh, how <laughs> close are those fan bases to pressing the panic button after their starts <laughs> to the season? I like the Leafs. I think they've been pretty good five on four. Again, they have a tweak left in them where they'll be better by the, the deadline, whether it be obviously a big D man possibly, but I still think the Leafs are a dangerous team um, that can formulate into a, an Eastern champion if possible. 
Edmonton obviously right now is just the worst of starts. Starts don't matter. Finishes do, but, um, but yeah, it, it's still, I did the game the other night in Philadelphia. They just don't look like a Stanley cup champion to me. They don't look like a roster that could beat Colorado in a best of seven, even Vegas again, in the best of seven, two teams they've lost to the last two years. Um, those two teams still look really good. They seem about the same. So for now, uh, I don't know about that final. Uh, I still think Toronto has a chance. Um, I, I still have hope in them, but um, Edmonton, it's not looking good right now. Things are going to have to change quickly. Bucci, the drop is nothing if not a haven for hot takery. Ooh. And uh, yeah, so the other day you tweeted a video of a penalty between uh, in the Ottawa Detroit game that had you fuming. You said that yeah. you, this is now considered roughing in the NHL. You <laughs> said the referees are, quote, doing their best to fire, extinguish an entertaining physical game filled with hips and hits and chirping. And boy, do we love reading that kind of thing from you, Bucci. The floor is yours. <laughs> Tell us about how the physicality in this game is being uh, legislated out by the Zebras on a nightly basis. Well, this was game one of the of the 15 game day. So I was looking forward to it. You know, there wasn't quite staggered like we're getting on Tuesday. But uh, so so those Saturday afternoon games, they can be really sleepy. You know, the players can be sleepy. There's the crowd can be sleepy. They're just they can be a really blah game. The, the, those Saturday afternoon games. I remember I went to a Bruin Hartford Whaler game back in the old Boston Garden. Probably was 1991. And I just remember that game being just a terrible game. You know, there weren't many terrible games back then in the garden between Hartford and Boston. You know, but just it had nothing to it. The players were probably hung over. The fans were hung over. It just had no zip. But this Ottawa-Detroit game, this uh, Lyndon Byers was out till 4 a.m. in Harvard Square. You know, he wasn't going to be forechecking that day. But, um, but you know, that game, has, this Ottawa-Detroit game had so much juice. The Brinkett's return. And what I loved about it, it was old school. The Ottawa players were taking it personally. They were all going after Dabrinkit. Like, I love that kind of stuff. Everyone has played together now since they were 12 years old on a team at some point, all these young NHL players. There's not a lot of real hate anymore. It's like a little bit, and then we hug. Yeah, I'll see you at the wedding next year. They all go to each other's weddings now. You know, it's, it's just a whole different world. So it was so cool to see that. And and they were really hitting. They were going. It was old school hate. And you could see there. And, and early on, the refs did take one out of a scrum, which I'm cool. That's good. Yeah. Give them early yeah. power play. But then the hitting continued. And then this that little push on the upper chest of the brinket that I thought was just a good hard hit. They called roughing. They, obviously, they were trying to lower the temperature. And I'm like, no, we need to raise the temperature. It's like when a fan runs on the field during a baseball game and the TV telecast doesn't show it so what we do we go to the internet and we look at our phones where we're streaming or we're online it's like the tv the tv people need to fight back we need to fight back in this you know and uh, and and like no we're going to show the fan who runs and gets housed by the security guard otherwise we're going to go away and turn our eyes away from the tv people are still going to do it whether he showed it or not obviously they still are tv's never showed it and people still run in the field so why wouldn't tv <laughs> just show it why turn people away from your product and I, I thought that game had great battle. And I thought they they were trying to lower. I go, no, don't lower it. Raise it. The players always talk about policing the game. Here you go. You do something crazy. It's your fault, not my fault. I don't write the rules as a referee. I just I just enforce them. Hashtag and rant. But your point at the end of that tweet was <laughs> your point at the end of the tweet was about attendance. Like you know, is is 
is getting away from these moments where the temperature is turned up when there is the inherent uh, violence and vitriol that comes with this sport, when you when you try to mute that, is it actually hurting the appeal of the product? I do think, like, you and I both have watched a different form of the National Hockey League back in the day, right? But, like, All of us, yeah. there's a middle ground. There's a middle ground between yeah. the, the, the Jack Hughes, Trevor Zegers, NHL that we have now and what we used to have, like, 15 years ago. There's a middle ground, and I feel like they're – I agree with you that I think that they are very – overly cautious NFL roughing the passer right now when it comes to some of this physicality. And it, and, and it doesn't need to be like that because people do want it. Yeah, there's all 1,300 games, right? Over 1,300. They're all not going to be good. And I get the concussion issue and lawsuits. And I get that. That's a tricky line that a league and a, and a, and a corporation, a $4 billion company has to deal with. But um, yeah, it, there's a lot of competition out there now with sports. MLS growing. Women's sports are growing. There's a lot of competition. People can't spend their money on everything. You got to remember, you know, what you're, what you like, what the physicality, the UFC, NASCAR angle that the NHL kind of has. A little dangerous, but danger is good. Danger is interesting. So yeah, it, it's a fine line, and you know, I can get emotional, as we know. I'm half Italian, half Irish, so there's no <laughs> chance I'm not going to get a little emotional sometimes. Nevertheless, still a very entertaining product, and Tuesday will be very entertaining. It starts yes. with the Leafs in Washington. I love the game. I love exactly. The game. This is why we have the best jobs in the world. Uh, Leafs and Capitals right. uh, starts off the uh, 15 minute stagger starts at six o'clock. And then the surging cool. red hot Philadelphia Flyers will meet Woo. the reigning cup champs, the Vegas Golden Knights uh, to end the night. That's an 11 o'clock Eastern start. And John Butchergrass and Kevin Weeks will be in studio for the entire thing. Frozen Frenzy on ESPN Plus and ESPN2. Uh, this is going to be great. I can't wait to watch it. I'll be doing cut-in, so I'll have to watch it after the fact. But I can't wait to see uh, how that all goes. Uh, but, Bucci, you've been great with your time, man. Thanks for joining us on The Drop. Please come back. Love The Drop. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Bucci. All right. Best to John Bucci-Gross. Best to Kevin Weeks as they take on the Frozen Frenzy and a massive amount of games, which I know that you're all going to be watching from the first puck drop to the last whistle. And if you are, you're going to need to keep yourself hydrated. Folks, it is time for the Frozen Frenzy non-alcoholic drinking game. Obviously, we expect you all to participate in this by grabbing a tall glass of milk or most likely a nice energy drink to keep your spirits up during a long night of hockey. Uh, but we wanted to give you something to play along with as you're watching all these games. Arda, what is the one drink category in the Frozen Frenzy non-alcoholic drinking game here on The Drop? Mine will be a sugar-free beverage, for the record. Uh, oh. We have categories. So we have one drink, two drink, three drinks, and chug. I can't wait to see what's in chug. Uh, the one drink category begins with if a power play goal is scored. Now, hold on a second. Is this like one full drink? Like you're going to have to chug no, your glass of milk a or just this? Oh, a sip. A okay. Sip. Yeah. This is a modest sip. If there's yeah. a power play goal, a dainty, pinky out modest sip. If there's a power play goal scored, because Arda, <laughs> if there are 32 teams playing, there's a chance we're going to see a few power play goals. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll see zero wish. Who knows? Okay. Oh. You can't predict the future. Uh, yes. If a power play goal is scored. That's one sip. And if a road team wins, so there's a maximum of 16 opportunities here, you will take one sip. So yes. that's the one drink category. How about the two drinks category? 
Two drinks. If there is a coach's challenge on a goal, <laughs> successful, unsuccessful, who cares? If Bucci and Weeksy are, are doing their red zone thing and looking at a stoppage and play with a bunch of zebras surrounding an iPad, you take yourself two drinks. Uh, if the if more than one team scores at, at exactly the same time. So we got all these games in multi-view. The boys are watching the games. They're waiting for highlights to happen. If you see one goal and then boom, another goal scored and another game, that's a two drinker as well. I would like to add, if there's a coach's challenge, that's a two drinker. If the coach's challenge is successful, that's a chug. <laughs> All right. Look at that. Okay. So coach's challenge on its own two drinks. Yep. If the coach's challenge is successful, we'll just take that big old tall glass of milk in your hand and down that bad boy because that is a chuggeroo. All right. That's a chuggeroo. And I hope it's chocolate milk for everyone out there. Uh, more than one team scores at the same time. Like you said, that's a two drink. Uh, that's a two chug or no, a two sip. Pardon me. Uh, three drinks. There's a penalty shot. What, what, where would you put the over under on penalty shots on Tuesday? One and I a half? Put it, I would put it at, 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 at 0.5. I wouldn't okay. be surprised if we got through this entire night without a penalty shot. Interesting. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll take the over on that. I'll take the over. Okay. All right. I love it. Okay. So the, uh, there's a penalty shot. That will be a three drinker. And if someone scores a hat trick, much more likely than <laughs> that's also a three drinker. One for each goal. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and actually, I'm going to add to this wish. Yeah. If they score a fourth goal and a fifth goal, that will then become a four drinker and a five drinker. So any 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 amount after three, you have to drink that amount. I love it. I love it. And with the existence of Alistair Brinkett and Austin Matthews uh, playing on the Frozen Frenzy night, I think the hat trick is on the table. Finally, we get to chug. Uh, keep in mind, I am still contemplating how a man who said that he is going to be drinking non-sugar beverages just encouraged the entire listenership of the show to drink chocolate chocolate milk <laughs> what's wrong with chocolate I mean, milk man? what do you got against chocolate milk i i, I i'm simply saying that I, I believe you are trying to uh kill the rest of us and be i am legend on uh, the face of planet earth uh with your non-sugar beverages mm -hmm. uh the chug is is only one one thing uh, outside of the thing we mentioned before Chug if there's a goalie goal. There's always the potential that we're going to see these guys go for the empty net if their team is up by multiple goals late in the in the game. We've got 16 chances for it to happen. When I play non-alcoholic drinking games, I like to make sure that the chug is something exceptional, that the chug is something that is extraordinary, that if it happens, you go, I can't believe I just saw it. And then you just down your beverage in one gulp. And friends, a goalie goal, the rarest of birds in the National Hockey League. If it happens, will you take that that drink and you and you make it empty? I ex if there's a goalie goal, I expect everyone to pull a Kurt Angle and bust out the milk truck with the giant hose and just <laughs> spray milk everywhere. <laughs> All their friends and family themselves, like it. Everyone's milk a mania. Oh, yeah. And and that's the thing, man. So what was the other <laughs> chug? The chug was successful. If there's a, su a successful coach's challenge yeah. or there's a goalie goal, yeah. find me and Arda on the Twitter machine or other social media and send us a video of you chugging. Like do, those do the are the two provisions. Could successful coach's challenge or goalie goal. We want to see the videos of you downing your 
non-alcoholic drinking game beverage and uh and seeing how you've celebrated these amazing occurrences during the frozen frenzy so there you have it even more fun to be had during hockey heaven on tuesday 15 minutes that's how long it will take for another puck to drop in another game it'll be a lot of fun make sure you're locked into frozen frenzy by the way three exclusive games on espn as well it'll be steve levy mark messier and pk suban in studio for all three of those games and then bucci and weeksy for frozen frenzy over on espn2 and espn plus thank you very much for watching the drop we'll post-mortem for uh the tuesday series of action or a series of games, all the action, and a lot more. Remember, Tuesdays and Thursdays, wherever you get your podcasts, and the NHL on ESPN YouTube. Thank you very much, and enjoy your chocolate milk as you watch Frozen Fancy. Thanks, folks. <laughs>